us. This is a love that was demonstrated at the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, for sending your one and only Son, Jesus, for us and for our salvation. Lord, apart from the cross, apart from your love poured out at the cross, we have no hope. And apart from your resurrection, we have no life. But it's through your death and your resurrection that we have the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. And I thank you, Lord, that it's, it's, a, it's a process that continues in our lives today. Uh, that, that it isn't getting saved and then that's it. But you promise to invest yourself in us every day. To do a work in our hearts. To align our hearts with your heart. So Lord, as we look at Amos today and as we look at the uh, nation of, of Israel and how far out of line, how to, out of plumb their life was, I pray that we too would be convicted and that we would also hear the good news of the gospel, that in the gospel we would know that we have a new heart, a heart that is aligned with your heart so that we can love others and love our neighbors. And not behave as the Israelites did when they sinned against you. So, Heavenly Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit. Enter our hearts today. Speak to us. I pray that none of us would harden our hearts to your word. That we would have soft hearts that are ready to receive and to be transformed by what you're wanting to accomplish today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children say, Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. Today, uh, we're looking at the prophet Amos from the Old Testament. Uh, Amos was a prophet who was sent by God to proclaim the word of the Lord. So he called, God called, a humble shepherd, a humble shepherd named Amos to proclaim the word of the Lord to Judah and to Israel. Amos faithful, faithfully proclaimed the word of the Lord. He faithfully preached what God told him to preach. And like all faithful preachers, listen to this, like all faithful preachers, people didn't like his message. They didn't want to receive his message. Why? Because Amos preached the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is truth. And sometimes the truth is hard to hear. But Amos was faithful to proclaim the message that God gave to him to proclaim. And his message was like a plumb line. It was a plumb line that showed him. Uh, it, it revealed the crookedness of the ways of the nation of Israel. In the same way, the preaching of God's word is also like a plumb line. that shows the crookedness of the ways of our world and the crookedness of my ways and of your ways. So let's look at one of the more well-known passages Amos preached to the nation of Israel. So today we go to Amos, the seventh chapter, beginning with the seventh verse. So Amos says, this is what he, the Lord, showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb. That means it was a straight line with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. He says, I will spare them 
no longer. The high places, those high places are places of idolatry. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel because they were corrupt and their worship will be ruined. And with my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. And he's the king. Verse 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of the Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. For this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam the king will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah, the priest, said to Amos, Get out, you seer! Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. The priest didn't like Amos proclaiming the truth. Verse 13, don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. And Amos answered Amaziah, he was the priest, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now then hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up and you yourself will die in a pagan country. And that pagan country was Assyria. And Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Church, this is the word of the Lord. And to that we say thanks be to God. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. He's setting a plumb line among his people, and he will spare them no longer. In the Old Testament, God called kings, he called priests, and he called prophets. All were chosen by God, offices of the Old Testament. The kings would lead the people politically. The priests would lead the people in the true worship of God. And the prophets were called to preach. They were called to preach. The prophets were called by God to preach the truth by warning the people of judgment. But they were also called to comfort the people by proclaiming promises of mercy. So the message of the prophets was a message of judgment and mercy. So if you read the Old Testament prophets, the major prophets uh, uh, in the Old Testament or the minor prophets in the Old Testament, you'll see that their message falls really into two categories, that of judgment and that of mercy. So prophets like Amos came to proclaim 
messages of judgment and mercy. Also, they were given revelation of of future events, things that would take place. Visions of, of God's impending judgment upon the nation of Israel and of Judah. And visions of mercy, of a new day, of a better day. Visions of the coming of a king, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, who is Jesus. So they were called to proclaim the gospel. Is anything any different today than it was back then? Not really. I haven't received any visions of of actual future events that are about ready to take place. But, But still we're called to proclaim and to warn people of God's judgment and then to comfort people with the message of God's love and grace and mercy which is given to us in Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful that whenever God speaks words of judgment, it's always followed up with with this greater word, this sweeter word, or this very sweet word of, of his mercy and his love for us. And that's, that's because God is, is merciful and gracious. He's abounding in steadfast love. He, he doesn't delight in judgment. But he really truly wants all people to come to repentance and to experience his grace and his mercy. But we would never understand our need for mercy, nor would we understand how sweet and beautiful God's mercy is apart from hearing of the judgment that we deserve. So preaching of judgment is still needed today. If you read the the messages of, of the apostles in the New Testament, they warned people. They warned people of what their sins would bring about. But they always proclaimed Christ and his love and his forgiveness and his mercy. As, as Lutherans, we, we use the term, the terms law and gospel. So we are called to preach the law and we are called to preach the gospel. The preaching of the law is good because it points out It points out his goodness, but our sinfulness. The the preaching of the law causes us to to see that that, that we live in stark contrast to God and his ways. So his law is that plumb line. And that plumb line of the law shows that we're not living in alignment with God's heart. God's heart is not our heart. And then we would never understand that without Jesus' grace and mercy that we'd be under judgment for our sins. So the preaching of the law is necessary. But the preaching of the gospel is what liberates our hearts and transforms us and causes us to become a people who joyfully desire to have our hearts in alignment with God's heart.
So like Amos, the faithful church foresees a day of judgment. So we preach the grace and the mercy of Jesus so that people will repent and be saved. So the goal of our preaching is that the Holy Spirit would grant repentance and faith. Another thing that should be expected when we preach is that like the prophet Amos was rejected, we too will be rejected. People are not going to receive our message. We should not expect that. Even in the New Testament, people rejected Jesus. People rejected the apostles. And people have been rejecting faithful preachers since the time people were called to preach, both in the Old and in the New Testament. So our hearts are out of alignment with God. And we need the plumb line of God's word. We need the plumb line of of God's word of, of judgment and mercy or the law and the gospel. So Amos says, then the Lord said, look. I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. Setting up a plumb line, he says, and I will spare them no longer. I think most of us know what a plumb line is. A plumb line helps a builder determine a perfectly straight, vertical line. Nowadays, most builders will use a level. You know the long tool with the bubble in it? That's what builders will use today to determine what is plumb, a straight line, either vertical or horizontal. And if that, if that level is true to plumb, then, then the builder will build accurately. But I actually saw a guy one time who built and his level was not true to plumb. And everything that he built was built slightly off. He looked at it and he said, that doesn't look right. He put his level on it. He said, it's right. And I said, I don't know. Let's put another level on it. It was off. The true plumb line is God's word. People are going to say, use this, or listen to that, or read this. Listen to this expert, or that expert. There is one that is true to plumb, and that is God and his word. The people of Judah and Israel, and and for us today and for the whole world, the plumb line is God's word. So I ask today, would you pray? Would you pray for our church? That we would be a people who remain true to God's word. That when we hear the the so-called experts or read uh, the books or whatever, when some new teaching comes along, that we would know that it doesn't agree with, with the truth of what God has said in the scriptures. And that we would immediately be able to recognize that which is false, that which isn't true to plumb. 
When Amos preached to the people of Israel, they were way out of line. Their hearts did not agree with God's heart. And how did it manifest itself? I want us to look at Amos chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. It's on your screen. <clears throat> this is where Amos uh, preaches the word of the Lord against the sins of Israel. And this may surprise us, because within evangelical Christianity, or sort of within our, our, our Lutheran uh, corner, which is called Lutheran pietism, that's where we come out of, is this pietistic Lutheranism. We, we think of, of sins like, you know, you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't chew, and you shouldn't go with the girls that do, you shouldn't go to movies, you shouldn't go to dances or play cards. So, so we think of these, of these sort of the classic, the classic uh, pietistic or evangelical sins. And these are the things that we should avoid. But, but when you read the prophets, it's very interesting what they're really concerned about or what God is really concerned about. He says um, in Amos 2, 6 through 8, This is what the Lord says for three sins of Israel's, even for four I will not relent. Listen to this. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Today we call this human trafficking. They used people. They misused people. They mistreated people to their own advantage. Verse 7, they trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Uh, then there, there is some, some gross sexual immorality. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. And then there's idolatry, verse 8. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. Their, their form of idolatry included temple prostitution. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge in the house of their God. And notice it's not a capital G. They drink wine taken as fines. So there's this, this oppression of the poor. There's this gross immorality. And there's idolatry. Their hearts were not in line with God's heart. What is God's heart? One word, love, love, love for the world, love for the needy, love for the oppressed, love for sinners. When a person's heart is in line with God's heart, that person will love. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with the fourth chapter. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What? Verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Yes. 
Is your heart aligned with the heart of God? Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. In other words, we're to disciple our children. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. When God's law is the plumb line of our lives, our hearts will be aligned with the heart of God. The poor will be cared for. Idolatry isn't polluting our souls. And our lives are lived before God in holiness and in purity. You see, if God's law was, was the plumb line of our lives, we would love God and we would love our neighbors. Because all of the commandments are summarized in one word. And what's that word? Love. Love God and love your neighbor. And because God is love, all of his commandments are a reflection of his love. He wants us to live in the light of his love. And Jesus said this. Jesus replied, same thing from Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Amen. God's law is the plumb line. And by his plumb lines our lives are placed under inspection. Who here likes to be inspected? <laughs> you receive a letter from the IRS. It's one of those letters you have to sign for. You're under inspection by the IRS. Who, many here, who here would be happy to hear that the IRS is going to audit you? Maybe there's some strange person in here that would be happy and excited about an IRS audit. None of us want to be placed under inspection. None of us do. Because it may reveal something about us that's out of line. But that's what God's Word does. It's the ultimate audit. It's the ultimate inspection of our lives. God's law is the plumb line that inspects us and shows that we're not in line with God's heart. We don't love God. We don't even really love ourselves wow. or our neighbors. The law is our pun line. But we cannot forget Jesus because there is Jesus and he is really the ultimate, the ultimate and the final plumb line. He obeyed God with perfection. He never sinned once and thought, word or deed. He lived in perfect alignment with his Father's heart. So Jesus is the ultimate plumb line. He embodied the Bible by his teaching. When he taught, his teaching was perfect. 
But he also demonstrated what it meant to live a life of love. Read about Jesus. Read the Gospels. Read about his love. His love for sinners. His love for the outcasts. Look at how he treats people. This morning's gospel lesson is actually from Luke chapter 10. Our sermon text today is taken from the Old Testament lesson for the assigned readings today. And this morning's gospel lesson is taken from Luke 10. In Luke 10, Jesus shared a parable, a famous parable. The parable of the Good Samaritan. And that parable, that parable teaches us what it means to live with a heart that's in line with God. Most of us are probably familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan, but for some of us here who aren't familiar with it, I'm actually going to read it for all of us in a, in a, in a, uh, a, a translation or actually a paraphrase from Eugene Peterson, which may shed a little new light on it for us today, because this is for us who grew up in church, this is something we've heard over and over and over again. Sometimes when we read it in a different uh, way, it can help us. And for those who aren't familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan, you're hearing this for the first time. <clears throat> what a beautiful, what a beautiful account from Jesus you're about ready to hear. So from uh, Luke chapter 10, beginning with the 30th verse, Jesus answered by telling a story, and Jesus oftentimes taught by telling stories. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. Now you would think that a priest would know what to do. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. He avoided the man who had been robbed and beaten and left for dead along the side of the road. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. So here are two people who should have known what to do. And then surprise, surprise, a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart, listen to that, his heart, his heart's in line with God's heart, went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. Then Jesus says, What do you think? Which of the three, the priest, the Levite, or, surprise, surprised, surprises of all surprises, the, the much hated Samaritan, which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The reply was the one who treated him kindly. The religion scholar responded. That's what the religion scholar said. Jesus said, go and do the same. The Samaritan, his heart was aligned with God's heart. He stopped. And he loved. But I ask you this question, who is the ultimate good Samaritan? Who is the ultimate Good Samaritan? Well, Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is the ultimate 
good Samaritan. When the world passes by the hurting, what does Jesus do? He stops. He reaches out. He touches. He touches even the leper. He loves sinful people. He cares for those who are in need. And ultimately, by giving his life upon the cross and rising again, what is God's heart? What is God's heart? His heart is love. And love was demonstrated at the cross. His love was poured out from the cross. When you look at the cross, you should only, you should only hear one word, and that is a word of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What is God's heart? Look to the cross. Look to the empty tomb. Through the cross we have the forgiveness of sins. At the empty tomb we have the promise of everlasting life. He loves you. We fail. I fail. We make wrong choices. My life isn't lived in alignment with God's heart. But Jesus, the plumb line, has come to me. And he says, I love you with an everlasting love. You have judgment in your heart towards people. Adam, you have judgment in your heart towards sinners who make a, a wreck of their lives. He says, I love you. I want to give you my heart. He's the one who comes to us and he makes us right with God. He is the ultimate plumb line. Not only that he reveals what's wrong with us, but he sets us right. He sets us right with God. Where we fail, Jesus succeeded. He succeeded by his righteous and holy life. And not only did Jesus succeed, he credits his righteousness to you as a free gift. Imagine you have this, this, uh, this ledger. And all of your sins are listed on this spreadsheet. And for each of your sins on the ledger, there is the word guilty, judged, condemned. But then Jesus comes. He erases all of the sins on that ledger. And he not only erases those sins, but he writes the righteousness of Christ. Your name's at the top of the ledger. He doesn't see your sins anymore. The promise of the gospel is, is that he credits us with Christ's righteousness. He erases our sins and he gives us the very righteousness and holiness of Christ as a free gift. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When God sees you, he doesn't see sin. He only sees Jesus. He only sees Jesus. And it's the gift of his righteousness that is given by faith that empowers our hearts to be transformed. It's Jesus' grace that not, only, that not only saves us, it's his grace that, that sanctifies us. 
That is, causes us to begin to live a holy and righteous life. To live a sanctified life is to have our hearts in alignment with God's heart. And, it, and, it, and it's not our doing. It's not my doing. It's not your doing. It's God's doing. It's His grace. None of us can boast. None of us can say, look at me. Look at how, how wonderful and how good I am. not about you it's not about me it's about Jesus if anything good comes out of me it isn't me it's him doing a work in me and through me he receives all the glory and all the honor and all the praise so would you join with me in praying Praying for our congregation. Praying that our hearts would be aligned with God's heart. That we would demonstrate the love of God in Christ Jesus to a world that knows nothing of these things. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, first of all, we have to confess that our hearts aren't aligned with your heart. Uh, the, the preaching of the law reveals that clearly. So help us to, to consider your law and to, be a, and to experience the effect of your law thoroughly in our lives. So that then we would, we would be drawn by your Holy Spirit to look to Jesus. And, and in Jesus, we, we don't hear words of condemnation or judgment. We simply hear the word, I love you. I forgive you. I've washed your sins away. I've clothed you in my righteousness. Live there. Live in that joy. Live in that freedom. May it transform you to be a person that lives before others and lives before God with a heart that's aligned with God's heart. Only you can do this. All to your praise and to your glory. Work in our church. Move us, Heavenly Father, in supernatural ways, in ways that only you can. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all of God's children say, Amen. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing the hymn, God has spoken by his prophet.